I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about Batman, a Batman podcast. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show. Yeah. Yeah. I am a podcast. Whoa. Hey. with fans and people. Welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you are listening to an interview variety show for your ears based on the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Huge Pitchers for One. Why drink only a glass of your favorite beverage at home alone when you can drink an entire restaurant pitcher's worth? Huge Pitchers for One. Finally, you can drink more than you ever reasonably need to. So here we are, guys. The podcast is back! Sort of. I started this thing, in case you didn't know, back in 2015 when I had all the time in the world and a global pandemic was nothing but a distant nightmare scenario you might see in a movie. But... Here we are, six years later, and people are still finding the show. So, in honor of the sixth anniversary, I am releasing six new episodes of the podcast that feature a mix of listeners who donated to the Patreon and folks from the animation industry chatting about their favorite episodes that we haven't covered on the podcast yet. Uh, Thank you so much for continuously listening to a podcast that's honestly only intermittently updated once or twice a year. It really means a lot, and I I have a lot of fun doing it when I'm able to do it. I've made a lot of friends in the process. I have talked to a lot of my heroes who inspired me to do the work that I do today, and it's just a blast. So, without further ado, let's get to today's episode, The Cat and the Claw. In the series premiere, Batman crosses paths with Catwoman for the very first time, just as Bruce Wayne gets embroiled with Selina Kyle. But can either version of this cowled couple take down the vaguely Eastern European terrorist threat known as the Red Claw? Original air date, September 5th, 1992. Story by Sean Catherine Derrick and Laren Bright. Written by Jay Dennis and R. Muller. Directed by Kevin Altieri. Supervising composer is Shirley Walker, with music composed by her, as well as Harvey Cohen and Wayne Coster. And animation by Sunrise. It stars Kevin Conroy as Batman and Bruce Wayne, Bob Hastings as Commissioner Gordon, Adrian Barbeau as Catwoman and Selina Kyle, Herb Edelman as Stern, Kate Mulgrew as the Red Claw, Mary McDonald Lewis as Maven, and Frank Welker, the man of many voices, as more voices. Today's guest, Tim Jarvie. Way back when this podcast regularly released episodes, the Patreon offered a reward tier where fans of the show could become guests. And this is one of those fantastic guests. So, without further ado, let's get to that interview. We're back with another fan interview. I'm sitting down with Tim Jarvie. How you doing? Hey, Justin. I'm pretty good. How are you? 
doing well, you know? I mean, <laughs> all things considered, we talked a little bit about it uh, exactly. off mic, but living through some wild times, and that's that. Everything's relative. Escape into Batman. I know, it has been nice. Have you found that you're like going back to the things like Batman or other things that you rely on as like an escape more now that, you know, we're in a global pandemic? I tend to watch my collection of Batman stuff in a pretty constant chronological loop. Uh, but I may be going to it more now, you know, nowadays and other days. When oh, so I you do time. it chronologically. I do, yeah. Both like, you know, the different kinds of shows and movies and stuff. And then like now I'm getting very obsessive with even watching the animated series in like the air date order and trying to even splice in like when the comics came out in between the air dates. I'm real obsessive with the timeline these days. <laughs> That's super fun. I mean, you know, you're talking to a fellow obsessive of a different variety at least. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not yeah. watching them like in order but i feel like there was a time in my life when i was obsessed with figuring out the best watching order for these episodes like when i would share them with people yeah yeah because like the uh, the production you know dates which which i think is how like the dvds come out is in production day because i have it on dvd mm-hmm. um and you know like on leather wings is first on that and the what is it back row returns is the last one on the dvds which i think you've mentioned are like the the production order Especially with the new animated series, like I hate how they start with Holiday Nights because it's like I thought Clayface was dead. Who is this baby Robin? And then later they explain that stuff, and it's like, oh no! I get it. Yeah, exactly. You get the origin story afterwards, which is kind of like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what's your background with the animated series? Like, when did you first come across it? Uh, why do you love it? Um, I watched it when I was a kid, uh, probably by at least like the second year after it came out, uh, which I think was the same year when Power Rangers was out. Um, and that was when I was in kindergarten that, that second year after the series started. And I remember like my, like kindergarten teachers not letting us play Power Rangers on the playground. Cause it was like, you know, we were fighting or whatever. And so, um, and then I also remember, you know, watching the animated series and, uh, you know, kind of sitting through the opening sequence and then, uh, you know, really anticipating the title card because it would tell me if it was a repeat or, you know, sometimes who the villain was or whatever. Um, and even though, of course, I love the Joker, I do remember being kind of like another Joker episode, like where's more of my poison ivy or my Catwoman or whatever. Um, and then I would also hate it when, you know, the title card wouldn't show if it was a villain or not. And then there would end up uh, being no, like, you know, costume villain in the episode. And I remember sometimes just being like, oh, screw this series. Like sometimes there's these boring episodes, you know, like, I know you you appreciate some of them, but I tend to skip things like, you know, it's never too late or POV or whatever. I'm like, where are my costume villains? Um, so I remember that too, sometimes kind of sitting through the episode and then being disappointed that no costume villain ever showed up. Yeah. I'm, I, I feel like it changed for me later in life, at least like when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, fuck this. There's no villain. <laughs> like I'm here for, yeah. you know, the, the kind of like tragic backstory and cool costume and maybe some powers. Um, so like all the gangland yeah. tales were definitely more disappointing uh, but I yeah. think I've like at least appreciated them more now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh-huh. I'm watching Batman for the, if you told me rogues or no rogues, I'm going to go rogues for sure all the way. <laughs> yeah. And then of course I had, you know, some of the toys. I remember one kind of bat vehicle. I don't know what it was supposed to be, but it had like a bat signal light built into it. So you could like push a button and then it would shine the bat signal on the wall. That's I don't know cool. if it was like a boat thing or a flying thing, but I remember that cause the light that was on it. I have a vague recollection of that, and I think that was one that yeah. I didn't have because there were a ton yeah. of vehicles for this line, and they were some of them were just like very hard to find. I remember like just hunting down the villains was re- really hard, at least where I where I lived. Yeah, 
getting them secondhand. Did you have the like Wayne Manor Batcave like big playset thing? I did, but not the yeah. animated series themed version. I had the Batman oh, okay. Forever one, which they recycled oh. the same playset and repainted it up until oh. I think through the Nolan movies. Like they still were oh, really? using that. Yeah, it's like, well, we have the mold and it's that fold out sort of, you know. Yeah, it has to go break through skylight. Yes, and it was super cool. Uh, yeah. But I I always wanted the animated series one. I think it just was a matter of like color deco and then like stickers huh. that you put on the back computer or something. Yeah, and of course I had many of the villain so. action figures, and I remember because I had you know all these villains, and then this one place that I remember always like my like you know sort of child storyline when I was playing with my action figures was always to like have the villains like you know, find out where the Batcave is and like invade the Batcave, all the villains together because you know I wanted to play with all my action figures in the one setting that I had. So that was kind of my my go to storyline. Yeah, I mean, really, after the first time in your version of Batman, Wayne Manor needs better security. <laughs> you know, if all the villains <laughs> exactly. broke out of Arkham and found out who Batman was immediately, we got some yes. problems, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then as far as, like, the VHSs that they sold, I think my mom only let me buy two of the VHSs, and I chose Ivy because she's one of my favorite villains. And then the Riddler, since they didn't offer a Catwoman, I also like the, the Riddler. Um, and then I remember having Mass of the Phantasm on, on uh, VHS as well. But especially was when I was a kid, and honestly, kind of even still now, I can't really get into Mask of the Phantasm that much. I know that you and everyone else love it, but it's just like, I don't know. The timeline still confuse me. <laughs> it's just kind of slow for me with the love story instead of, you know, the focus on the villains and stuff. Hey, all good. Teach their own. Do you have a, a favorite Batman movie from the animated timeline? Uh, I mean, there's only the two, right? That and Sub-Zero? Yeah, that and Sub-Zero. And then there's Mystery of the Batwoman uh, later. Which oh, yeah. is, I think I've seen that, but don't love it since I can't really remember it. It's it's a, like a lighter, fluffier tale. Um, so I mean, of the movies, I guess Sub Zero, and I recently rewatched that and kind of liked it more than ever when I recently watched it. But my favorite episode, Eternal Youth, which is on that Poison Ivy uh, VHS. Do you have a favorite episode of the whole series? I don't know if you've ever said that. Man, I I don't know if I have said it. I think it's hard for me to pin it down. If you had yeah. to corner me, it would probably be Laughing Fish. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But I do. I love Laughing Fish. I love House and Garden. This kind of yeah. ra- latest batch of you know uh, those those charity episodes really were right. me also pulling from my favorite episodes. So like Deep Freeze, I love Heart of Ice, but Deep Freeze is you know more fun for me. I I, I think you know we talked off mic, but you're a, you're a Disney fan as well. So seeing yeah. like Disneyland meets Mr. Freeze for me was a very <laughs> like kind right. of fun combination of things. Do you have a favorite? character in general i'll tell you this i like alfred quite a bit and <laughs> i think it's easy for me to zero in on the villains you know yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, there are too many but i think as a consistent character I, especially growing up i thought alfred's comic relief really did it yeah. for me <laughs> just those yeah, comments yeah. uh who's your favorite villain Ooh, i mean Mr. Freeze, probably, if I had to choose. Yeah. Uh, but I love Clayface. Yeah. I love Two-Face. <laughs> I mean, I love the tragedies. All the faces. All the faces, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mr. Freeze, I guess. So I, if I had to choose, yeah. Victor well, or Vic Jeff Freeze. Only, does only two episodes for your favorite villain. It is a bummer. I mean, we got Sub-Zero, <laughs> but uh, right. it, it feels, it like tonally feels kind of different than the other two episodes. Um but we got some Batman yeah. Beyond, Mr. Freeze. We got the new Batman right. Adventure stuff with him is certainly like a bold choice. I think there's nothing yeah. really emotionally resonant there. But 
I'm a, I'm a fan of, you know, the reveal of him being just a head with spider legs after his body deteriorated. Right. Do you know they have an action figure of that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you have it? I do. Did a little, like, do you have him just on the claw legs, like the head on the claw legs? I have him in his suit, but, okay. I, well, it depends on which one, because there's the one that was made back when the series came out of the Mr. Freeze with the claw legs and stuff, and that one was, like, Really well made, easy to pop in. Then they made these new DC collectibles ones, and he was the one of the first figures in the wave. And yeah. as much as I love the look of it, it was one of those things where, like, putting the legs in, you had to jam them in in a way that, like, it felt like it was going to snap the legs, and it legitimately was, like, painful to get them in and out. So I was <laughs> like, you know what? I just pulled them out. I'm not going to try to put them back in. <laughs> My thumbs don't need, uh, you know, two days of yeah. pain for a Mr. Freeze figure. I have one of those figures, apparently the new one, because I couldn't get the legs to stay in, which like ruined it for me because I wanted his head on the legs. So I was like, you know, let me throw this in a drawer. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor um, Freeze, always alone, even if it's in a yeah. drawer. I also, when I was a kid, got like this plate from the Warner Brothers store that had the animated Ivy next to Batman. And I still have that on display like, under my TV is, you know, one of my favorite villains with this version of Batman. Um. And then I, of course, well, I did watch the Batman Forever and Batman and Robin movies, uh, but I did not watch season four, the, you know, the redesign as a kid. Um, I may have like seen it and said like, screw this. I hate this redesign. Um, but I only watched that when I bought the DVDs, like, you know, 10 years after the, the new animated series came out. Because um, I, I happened to buy those on DVDs as well and then watch them. And now I like them, but I definitely didn't watch it for some reason as a kid, probably because I don't overall love those redesigns like most people. Yeah, they 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 grew on me, but it's one of those things where when they came out, I was like, well, "Why do you need to change change it? It looks good." Uh, yeah, depends on the design, but yeah, I'd agree. Right. Overall, I still I, I prefer the older designs, uh, and it might just be that's the first thing I saw, and so that's what I like. But um, yeah, and I wasn't still. I'm totally obsessed with Catwoman and Batman Returns. She's like my favorite version of Catwoman, and one of my biggest obsessions overall. Oh yeah, I mean, she likewise. I, I loved Michelle Pfeiffer in that movie, and I feel like, well, I mean, maybe we dive right into it. We're talking Catwoman, so you yes. chose the Cat in the Claw, which is a two-parter. Uh, uh -huh. And maybe you correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I couldn't remember if this was the case, and I didn't do good enough research. But was this the first aired episode, part one? Yeah, part one, and then part two was like the eighth aired episode. So it was like a week later. That's so wild. I mean, well, well, it's so weird that they would break it up. Um, yeah. Because there were other episodes in between. They were doing it as a... Right. It was every single day for those eight days. And I think I think there was another two-parter in between. Yeah. And I don't remember what it, what it is, but I think one of the other episodes at the beginning is a two-parter, I think. I think it's Feet of Clay. Yeah. I, I remember it was an early... It was Feet of Clay or Two-Face or one of those was pretty early on. Um, and I guess this one, rewatching it, the end of part one... There isn't like a huge cliffhanger. It's just kind of like it's very clear that the Red Claw is going to try to take Catwoman down and that she's unsafe. But it's not like a, you know, they're about to get, you know, hit by a car and then we're going to pick up in the next episode and then somehow somebody swoops in and saves them. So it, it feels kind of like it could have been world building, uh, but it, it was weird to split up a two parter. It feels like the only time they ever did that. Yeah. And then I'm sure that they chose this episode because of Batman returns and wanting to start with like one of those villains, you know, with this series that came right after it. 
And so it's interesting to go from that Batman Returns Catwoman to this version of Catwoman, because there's obviously, you know, major differences. But I know how, you know, they made her blonde to match with Michelle and all that. So I'm sure that's why they had this episode is like to kind of just kind of go straight from the movie into the series. Yeah, it feels like she kind of got the short end of the stick, at least in terms of a backstory. Like we have Catwoman, Penguin and Joker are like kind of the three that don't have origin stories. And the Joker rarely does uh, up until at least like recently. I feel like people have started to become more interested and, you know, there were whatever originally like killing joke and stuff uh, or not killing joke. I I guess it was, it was Alan Moore who, who kind of dove into it, at least an alternate version. But I feel like it was like, you're familiar with Catwoman and you're familiar with the penguin from these movies. And I think they had mandates on, how they kind of had to look and what their backgrounds had to be. So I imagine part of it was like, well, if we don't do an origin story, we don't have to outright say what we maybe wrote in the series Bible to appease the execs at the time. So it's very clearly a different style of Catwoman, but it is Mm -hmm. interesting that this episode, part one, kicks off with, all right, here's Catwoman. She's in her outfit. She's climbing up a building. She's going to rob somebody. Uh, And there's not really a lead up to like well why why'd she settle on this she's just kind of like obsessed with cats uh just as a quirk yeah and i mean like the batman returns catwoman is so specific and like sort of a supernatural way and and in wanting to get revenge and all that and like the series bible just mentions that they're you know the backstory they thought of for this catwoman is just that she grew up poor and had to steal to survive um which doesn't really you know explain any of the cat stuff no, and that's actually kind of interesting. I wish we would have seen that more publicly, like on display in the, in the series, like uh, narratively. Because I I don't know, I, I don't know if they ever really talk about that on screen. No, I don't think they do. It's also weird to me how this this first aired episode, just the first part, has no uh, like Wayne Manor, no Alfred, no Batcave, no Batmobile. All those like key Batman things are not in this very first, you know, sort of supposedly child friendly episode. Obviously, no Robin. Like you would think that if they wanted to, you know, please the kid fans, they'd go with those kind of go-tos and they don't. Yeah, that is interesting. Because like they, they'd get into it in the second part a little bit. We have some Batmobile, there's we that, have some Alfred, but yeah, you're I don't right. There's any Batmobile still, but there's still that, that short, um, there's that short Alfred in the Batcave scene, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have Batplane maybe uh, as he travels to get to whatever that dig site is. I think he just like shows up. It's like there's so many opportunities for him to travel and stuff. But I don't think they ever show vehicles. It's weird. He does. He does take the bat plane only because it was a beautiful shot. I remember she shows up at the site and then it kind of in the same shot of her like crawling out. We see the sky and then the bat plane is just hovering and crosses over the moon. And I was like, ooh, that looks like a Kevin Altieri boarded sequence. <laughs> if I've ever oh, seen I gotta, one. I got to rewatch for that. I missed that. I mean, there's a lot going on in, in this two parter. Uh, yeah. Why did you choose it's also, it? Uh, um, I mean, both because I like Catwoman, because it's the first aired, and I, you know, it's interesting what they, you know, do choose to have in this first aired episode and all that. Um, it's also interesting how they have, you know, Red Claw in this first episode, kind of as the main, you know, like villain villain uh, who was made up for the series, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, do, uh, do you realize that she's also in the last aired episode for this first design? The lion, the lion and the unicorn is the last one they air before the redesign. And so it's weird that the only two Red Claw episodes are the bookends for this design of the series. Yeah, I think it's so interesting because she is kind of a... I don't know how you feel about Red Claw. I don't think I was excited about her as a kid. She was kind of a forgettable, like, you know, 
vague terrorist villain, but yeah. I love the design. <laughs> I think she you looks really think? cool. Yeah, I mean, she's just like enough that like I'm like I want an action figure of the Red Claw. Like, let's just get that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I find her accent amusing. That's my my one red claw thing. Well, it's just vaguely Eastern European, maybe kind of right. Russian. I, she's not really locked into any one country, but it, it just feels like a, a kind of a red scare sort of villain. Yeah. Uh, but I love Kate Mulgrew. Uh, she's I, I grew up watching Voyager, so I really liked her as Captain Janeway, and she's a voice on Infinity Train now. So that's she's it's, oh, nice. it's a real treat. To have the Red Claw be a character on the show you write for, to write for the Red Claw. <laughs> yes, that's cool. Full circle. Did you notice the uh, very first visual in this very first aired episode, like even before they show Catwoman? No, what was it? It's the good old police blimp facing the wrong way, not going towards Catwoman. <laughs> right. Well, Gotham so are, they, are not great. <laughs> yeah, they're far away. They're too slow to get to a villain and they're not even going in the right way. Yeah, one of the things I noticed about both of these episodes overall and I don't know if they're necessarily like my favorites, uh, like rewatching it. I was like, these are, it was just more interesting to see what they chose to spend time on. Uh, and, and one of the things I did like, I think the boarding and the visuals are particularly strong in terms of some of the things they try out and some of the details, like they have some like moving clouds in the background, which you don't generally see. We have that blimp feels like a separate piece against the background. Like it has a painterly mm-hmm. quality to it. Yeah. Just little bits and pieces of like, I don't know. I think Batman's interrogating somebody in the second episode and that guy like gets a little leaf caught up, caught in his like coat and he like takes time to like pull it off his coat. And I was like, that's such a good little piece of character acting. And it definitely is very difficult to animate. Yeah, and the fact that they included more of those details, I was I was really impressed by the storyboarding of the episode, which I, is really where all of that comes from. Yeah, I don't think it's a great story overall, and maybe kind of some of the red claw red claw character flaws also play into it not being a super great you know episode or two two episodes. Um, like my favorite Catwoman episode is Catwalk, in part because she's kind of you know more on the evil side by then, whereas now she's really more so just trying to help the cats here, and I like her when she's more evil, but. Uh, yeah, not the, yeah. not the best thing, but it is what it is. Yeah, a lot of her episodes feel like they needed another villain. Like you have this with right. Red Claw. Catwalk has Scarface, which I think Catwalk, I agree. I think it is probably the strongest of the original run. Uh, yeah. But then it's like, you know, you have Tiger Tiger and you have, right. I forget, Cat Scratch Fever is kind of like, it's like always uh-huh. they had to have somebody else patting her out. And I'm like, well, let's just have Catwoman. We don't we don't need more. I mean, Batgirl right. Returns is a fun Catwoman episode. Yeah, I like that too. Um, that's the so that's the last one on the DVDs. So I think that's the last one that they produced. Like you mentioned that before too. And I, I hate when I was rewatching the DVDs. I hated how that episode ends with I think Batgirl saying there will be another time. That's like that's a lie. There will be no more times of this design. <laughs> so ironic. Yeah, I would have loved at least a follow up. <laughs> I know the the one Catwoman episode we definitely got with. Well, we got a couple in the new Batman Adventures, but you scratched yeah. my back, which I haven't rewatched in a while. I remember being a pretty strong episode. Ugh, I don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of just like there's a random villain with a claw for a hand. I don't even know his name or anything, but he's oh, like is that in you scratched there. my back? Yeah. Wow. The claw, and it's all about like Catwoman like smuggling an emerald into that. The claw guy's like a smuggler. She like gets an emerald into his smuggle stuff, and then she like hits on Nightwing to learn when this thing's coming in and she tries to steal the emerald. And I also really hate that Catwoman redesign. Like I really hate how her skin is white 
especially because it makes no like like pale white. Because her like when she's out of the costume, she has like human colored skin. And then she goes into the costume, and not only does she have the white eyes like Batman, but they also change the color of her skin like around her mouth to be white, which makes no sense. And then all the villains in the in the redesign have black lipstick too. So it's like this whole like gothic, just like black and white Catwoman and the long ears and everything, just way too cartoony for me. Yeah, it's more of a suspension of disbelief to because I didn't understand the, the makeup. What it reminded me of, and I, I like the redesign. She's one of the few where I like them both. I, I wouldn't like yeah, yeah. swap one for the other necessarily. But what I like is it feels kind of fifery, and and that original Batman Returns poster, she has like such like uh, white pale skin on it. Yeah, uh, and and it reminded me of that. But yeah, it, it's kind of confusing. Is like is she putting on a bunch of uh, you know like white makeup every right. time she goes out as Catwoman, or is this sort of just a hey when she's Catwoman, this is sort of how she looks, and you know, it's a cartoon. Yeah, uh, it's crazy to me how the original design is so similar to Batman's like color scheme, like with you know, like black boots and the gray outfit and like the yellow belt. And she's like more than even any other Catwoman, I think, if they're like so close in, in colors, at least. Yeah, it really feels like they're trying to draw a parallel in this episode. It's yeah. like, hey, Batman and Catwoman are you know on either end of the law, but they're they're very much foils for each other. Um, and that's pretty much what happens. We dive into the episode. She steals, you know, something using her cat, Isis, who's very sweet cat to be wrapped around your neck as you're climbing a building. Uh, And flipping later in the episode. She flips with the cat on her neck. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know that that cat's digging its claws into your neck. (laughs) Uh, but that was one of the shots I really loved was when they had, uh, Isis kind of being able to view the laser grid, which I don't know if that makes any sense, but uh, right. I loved the shot of the superimposed eyes as she yeah. was looking at the grid. I thought that was stylistically very cool, very noir, uh, yeah. expressionistic. Yeah, I noticed that. I liked those more sort of fantastical visuals throughout the series because it feels like, you know, you kind of couldn't do that in, you know, live action or whatever. I mean, I guess now maybe you could with some kind of CG stuff or whatever, but I do like it when it gets more sort of abstract or whatever in the series. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Batman, you know, meeting her, essentially, having a confrontation with her right afterwards. Uh, right. I felt bad for the the lady she was stealing from because she was just like a larger woman in bed by herself with two dogs. And I'm like, why are you stealing from another woman? She's got animals in the bed with her. You supposedly love animals, Catwoman. Like, what did this woman ever do for you? Why are you stealing in the first place? And also, why from her? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I'm sure there are plenty of rich people who hate animals. It seems like yeah. you, you met a bunch of them uh, later in the episode. <laughs> yeah, and maybe steal from a man cow. Because there are many references to, to women throughout this episode. Like many, many times throughout the series, just kind of a, a you know a comment on sex or whatever. So it's interesting to me that she stole from a woman. There is so much that feels like such a, a product of its time. Like when it was unusual for it to be a woman. Like and and I the, in this episode. Both episodes, I think it comes up like four times, maybe, either about Catwoman or Red Claw. And there's yeah. a like, she's a woman. This cat burglar's right. a woman. Red uh-huh. Claw's a woman. You know, right. like there's, they really couldn't fathom the fact that that could be a woman. And it feels like it, you know, that being a surprise is such a indication of what our expectations were societally, or at least what the pushed expectations were. Um, yeah. But it, it's pretty funny now to hear it that many times. It's like, well, I don't know how surprising Red Claw is once you saw Catwoman, <laughs> you know? Yeah, possibly. I liked how Catwoman has uh, gold claws and how, like, she, you know, cuts the circle into uh, 
into the glass to steal the necklace because that's very similar to the very first shot of Catwoman in like the 66 Batman because Julie Newmore like cuts a little circle with her gold cat claw. So they're kind of referencing that. In a oh, way that's, that's cool. The Batman Returns Catwoman. I love know, that. With her, with her awesome uh, silver crazy nails in, uh, in Batman Returns. Yeah, it's, I mean, this design is great. And, and I think the first kind of like, there's a big free fall sequence in the in the yeah. beginning that's beautiful and it feels like a very ambitious thing to animate. So that whole right, first sequence, oh, it's 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 really great. Um, and it feels like the animation itself can't quite capture what they're intending to do. Hmm. Like I know that they ended up firing this animation studio because most of the sure. episodes that they got back they were pretty unhappy with. Uh, how they visually looked. And I think the second episode looks a lot worse. Uh, but you can see the intent mm. is beautiful. Like the intent is to do these like really ambitious sequences. And it, it, it mostly comes off all right. But, you know, I think some of it is unfortunately not as good as they clearly wanted it to be. Um, I know that they redid that final explosion at the end at the the preserve. I think they retook, they got three retakes of it. And I think at the end, some somewhere online, Bruce Tim is just like ah, you know, we still think it looks bad, but whatever. <laughs> I like it. I think it looks good. Yeah. Well, I mean, also that's the anybody making something, you're so close to it that like you probably won't ever be satisfied. Uh, you're only yeah. going to look at the mistakes. But uh, yeah, for the rest of us watching it, it's like yeah, this is we we love this version of things. Uh, this is what we grew up on. But so we sort of have to say. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. That now, Since you already mentioned, like, you know, Batman coming in and him giving his first line or Kevin Conroy giving his first line. I was I'm gay and I was so excited to find out that Kevin Conroy is gay that he came out in I think 2016 or whatever. Did you know about Did it you? in 2016? Because I just found no. out about it like maybe a month ago. Yeah, no, me too. Like I was listening to another podcast. There was one other podcast that did almost got him that mentioned that. And I was like, he's gay. I didn't know. And it's, you know, kind of ironic since, you know, especially his Batman voice is so sort of uber masculine. And it's like, hey, like that Batman that I grew up with, that was like that super, you know, masculine voice is like, he's gay like me. So I just love that. Yeah, it's awesome. It doesn't change the character in any way, shape or form, but uh, it, it just made me happier. <laughs> I can't explain and, and, it. Yeah. And Conroy doesn't seem to talk about his sexuality a lot, but he's especially now, at least certainly not hiding it. So that's also interesting to me that, you know, he's... He's out, but he's not like just constantly, you know, talking about his sexuality and stuff. Yeah, he seems like kind of a private dude. I mean, even interviewing him on the podcast, he's, you know, I, I think he awesome. shares. Yeah, he's great. And he shares so many personal stories. Um, but uh, I think I don't know if you read Glenn Weldon's book. Um, I don't think so. I would highly recommend it. I think it's called The Caped Crusade. And it's a okay. history of Batman. Um, but he he's kind of like an NPR movie pop culture sort of reviewer but he's a huge batman fan um and so he kind of goes through all of uh you know batman stuff and there's so much like gay panic homophobia you know at that moment uh i think it was in the 50s where there was that psychologist that was like well yeah. you know him having you know a young boy around and and them kind of like demonizing the characters for whatever it's worth it almost feels cool to like take back that homophobic view of Batman from the 50s by it's like, hey, now the most iconic Batman, arguably, is a gay man. Uh, and, and I think that's a very cool full circle to come to. Uh, so, But it also is like, yeah, he's also just a good actor and it doesn't change anything, obviously, um, within the show. But uh, I think that was news to me, for sure. Uh, yeah. 
speaking of his acting, I think one of his first uh, funny lines, or maybe his very first funny line, is when Catwoman, like, scratches his, at least his cape, maybe his shoulder as well, and then he gives us reading of, hey, which is so weird to me, because it's like, what's his reaction here to her scratching him? Is he, like, pissed that his cape got ruined? Is he, you know, like, is he hurting from the scratch? But I like that little hey reading. Yeah, I, I liked, I mean, it was a more subdued Batman, too. I feel like it was earlier in his performance, so it feels kind of more like muted uh, than than yeah. his other stuff. You know, before he's like fallen into this sharp and grizzled version of Batman, at this point mm-hmm. he, he feels kind of like he's trying the character on, but it, it still feels truthful. But, I, you know, I love seeing these early episodes because of that. Yeah, and I like it when he whistles after she blows him a kiss, too. It's kind of funny as well. Like he's, you know, reacting to how, how attracted he is to her or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I love the Batman Catwoman back and forth. Uh, and because it's a kid's show and because it's kind of truncated, it feels like their relationship, like the fact that she's in love with him. Quote unquote in love. Exactly. Like, even says that. And it's like, so Catwoman told Maven she's in love, and why the hell does she love this guy for, you know, trying That's to arrest what I mean. her, slash saving her life, saving her cat? <laughs> I mean, you know, I think uh, reading between the lines, it's like, yeah, she's horny for him for sure. Exactly. <laughs> Whether or not mean, she's right? in love with him, yeah, <laughs> is, yeah, is another. And she story. likes the mask thing, like you know, she says she wants to keep the mystery when he tries to demaster at one point, um, which continues into at least one of the animated comics is her not wanting to like see him without his mask and stuff. So she likes the the mask and the mystery and all that for sure. Well, and then we meet, you know, Selena Kyle, and we go to this charity auction, and you know, eventually, yes. like. Bruce is immediately smitten by her. Uh, well, Bruce is there offering a date for charity, like, which is surprising to me as far as like the character of Bruce Wayne, because like he seems to usually, well, I don't know, I guess in this series he's often like, you know, going on dates with Bambi and Tammy and whoever else. Um, but it was kind of surprising to me that he was choosing to auction himself off as a date to raise money when he could just donate his own money. And Catwoman, too, could just donate her money. I mean, she doesn't even want the date, but they're both here, you know, I guess in this kind of plot device of exactly. the charity for the date. Yeah, And we have that kind of sequence of like all of these. I love seeing like when they actually show Catwoman, there's a spotlight on her and everybody yeah. else is kind of cast in a blue hue, but she is right. in full color. Um, and, you know, he he's immediately into her. <laughs> yes. I love those other women who, first of all, one of them says like, where have you been to Bruce? Which makes me wonder if like, if we're supposed to think that he's been like away training to become Batman or something. I mean, you know, if you think of this as like the first episode. Um, but they say, where have you been? So Bruce has been missing for some reason. And then I also find it funny when one of the girls says like, I've been pinching my pennies for you. Um, <laughs> cause you know, especially now when I rewatch it, I often like think inappropriate sexual funny things about certain lines and including that one, especially. And the it way it feels intentional, it. <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah. And I, I imagine where have you been? I was like, did he ghost her? <laughs> Is that what she meant? Oh, oh, maybe. Cause that does always happen in this series, huh? But who knows? Yeah. Uh, to put up that uh, act, he still is emotionally unavailable to real people. <laughs> yes. Um, but we we eventually, you know, he kind of pushes to date and they agree to lunch. Yeah, he um, grabs her arm, which is like not cool today. He's like, you're no. not. And he grabs her by the arm. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's forcing her for sure. Um, and But later she's like, ugh, like I, I'm stuck with fucking Bruce Wayne. But, you know, I really like this Batman guy. Opens the door. Yeah. There's Bruce Wayne and it's Batman. Exactly. Um, and she says all that to Maven, who one of your prior guests thought was like supposed to be, you know, like in a relationship with Selena. But especially because Maven says like, why aren't you more excited for your date? And then um catwoman's like you know i wish it were batman you should have seen batman that discussion about like maven wanting selena to be excited and selena kind of talking about how much she likes batman makes me think that they're not in a relationship 
but it is weird that she kind of has a secretary at all because like what is her business maybe a nonprofit for cats and then why the hell does she live with her too maybe just because renting gotham city is expensive yeah there are a lot of kind of open questions where it's like okay so i guess she lives with her best friend and maybe hired her uh, you know yeah. that kind of rich person like, lifestyle <laughs> Yeah, she like in in the Batman Year One comic book, she is living with uh, a younger prostitute named Holly. So I guess there's kind of that history of Catwoman sometimes living with a girl for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's I, it feels open enough that it could be read into multiple ways. But I, yeah, at least like unlike the Clayface stuff, which I feel like does read as kind of coded as a relationship, yeah. this feels. Just kind of like a weird work boundary that maybe shouldn't be crossed, where it's like maybe don't live with your boss. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it doesn't. It didn't feel like a romantic thing, but you know what? I'm down for whatever the fans want to read into. You know. <laughs> yeah, Catwoman lives with another woman in that Catwoman comic book series that came out in '93, which has like you know the the purple outfit that you said you have the action figure of and feel creepy or whatever for having because of how large your breasts are. <laughs> yeah, but I love that 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 design of Catwoman. I love that. Oh, that design is great. I, I still love the design boots and, and the hair and the hair out and everything. Yeah, it's fun. Um, so we get, uh, well, what do we get here? We have, we get an we introduction to commissioner Gordon, right? Yes. Um, there's a military truck holding army weapons, you know, and then Batman apprehends the robbery. And we, we learn from Gordon basically that it's the red claw, this terrorist organization, but we don't know. And they, they keep referring to the red claw as a he or, you know, right. uh, that it's for sure no a man. Pic- yeah. They have no picture of the guy. Right. Um, but, uh, uses his grapple gun for the first time. I always loved that. You know, I always wanted like a toy of the grapple gun. Obviously it was impossible to have anything too realistic, but I always wanted even just that shape of a gun. So I could pretend that it would shoot a grapple. Well, I know you're not a child anymore, but did you see that they are making prop replicas of no. things like that? So NECA, I believe, like yeah. an action figure company, uh, they're, yes. I think they're doing replicas of the grapple, of the batter, like the Batman Beyond Batarang, the Mr. Freeze gun. Like just, wow, that's cool. So, you know, if you want to hold one and uh, then play the sound it would make, that sound is the yes. most satisfying part. <laughs> I know. They need to have a button you can push that plays the sound. Are you listening? Maybe a hologram <laughs> broke shooting out. I love the NECA um, Catwoman from Batman Returns. Um, it's so accurate to her. It has like her hair sticking out like at the end of the movie and stuff. Yeah, oh, it's perfect. Um, so then we have, you know, basically uh, Bruce sets up a meeting because he's rich and he's a man and he can get other men to do things <laughs> that Catwoman could not do. After the very complicated stuff about like, Selena's lawyer telling her that someone, some he, is not going to sell to her. He's selling to Multigon instead. They refer to Multigon as a cartel who's muscling Selena out of this deal. That's so complicated, especially for, you know, possible children. Is like Selena trying to buy this land and someone else buying it instead and what the hell a cartel is and all that. Yeah, it's it's just kind of like even watching it now, I kind of my eyes glazed over where I was like, all right, I don't care as much about all of this. This feels like boring jargon. Uh, and then it didn't really pan yeah. out in the end. Like it wasn't, no, most it, of it isn't necessary. <laughs> it never makes any sense for why Multigon, which we soon learn is, you know, associated with Red Claw, wants this land, which has this underground military facility. But Red Claw's plan is just about like getting the money from the government because of the plague thing, but they don't need the military facility 
to get the money because of the plague. It makes no sense over all of this. Right, and they don't <laughs> even need the plague. She just ends up being like, well, nobody knows that I don't have the plague, so I'm just going to use it on you at this facility that I don't need. But they know that she stole it, so I guess that's kind of necessary is to know she has a weapon so she can threaten them with it. And then, you know, she doesn't want to carry it with her, and so her plan's to release it in the sealed compound so it doesn't actually hurt anyone or whatever. But she could have just, like, buried the plague instead of releasing it in a sealed compound. Exactly. It feels... <laughs> It definitely feels just convenient for the two plots to dovetail. Like, I like the idea of, like, Bruce's end of things and Selena's end of things kind of come together, and that's the reason that it feels like we have this really overly complicated setup. But, yeah, yeah when you get down to it, there's no reason for Red Claw or Multigon to want to acquire that land. Yeah. And especially, and then also to have the whole cover story about the resort, let alone to have the model of the resort that raises up from the floor when you play the piano. <laughs> I'll say this, as unnecessary as that was, I loved all the details of that, like playing, you know, Beethoven on the piano yeah. to like get it to raise out of the ground. I love the cameras that are looking through the eyes of like the, the yeah. skull. If you didn't know these guys were bad guys, you definitely knew when it was just a close up of mounted animal heads everywhere as the animal yeah. rights activist <laughs> walks into the room. Right, which is kind of ironic, too, because if Multigon's, like, buying land for a resort, why don't they also kill animals? You know, like, that's kind of convenient that they're buying this cat land because they don't care about the cats as well. Well, and the guy definitely didn't hide the fact that he was, uh, he's like, we'll take care of the cougars one way or one another. One way or another. <laughs> In the most exactly. suspicious way possible. Yeah, and he mansplained to Selena with, he, first of all, he called her uh, Bruce's lovely friend. And he was like, my dear, you just don't understand development potential. What a dick. Also, why did Bruce need to go there with her? I mean, I get it from the kids' show perspective of like, you got to see Batman there, and we maybe wanted him to see. He needed the information, but it felt pretty insulting that it's like, well, Selena can't go alone and, you know, stand up for herself. Well, he got her that, yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe maybe Multigon wouldn't meet with just Selena because Bruce was the one who got the meeting with Multigon right. or whatever. All right, all right. I'll give it to you. <laughs> I'll give it to yeah. Multigon here, too. Um yeah. But we basically, Batman grills a mob boss for information on Red Claw. Catwoman is meanwhile sneaking into Multigon and, you know, kind of using yes. the Beethoven piano keys to, like, show a safe that she can, you know, right. pops open she, immediately. Yeah, she raises the model first and, and then randomly tries more piano that happens to raise up this other thing like that we didn't even see before. Uh, back at that mob scene, I love how Batman, like, swung around his rope when he was... Um, going down to the mob people. Yeah, it was, it was a like, beautiful was a crazy shot. Acrobatic. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that like you just didn't see in a lot of later episodes cuz they were like we and it's a two-parter so it's like yeah, we can fill space with this really elaborate shot. Yeah. Um yeah. Selena mentions her mom giving her piano lessons, which you know is a tiny bit of backstory, right? Like maybe she wasn't growing up so poor if she could afford piano lessons and have access to a piano. Did she steal a damn piano? It's, it's an early theft. Yeah. It also felt a like the kind of thing that was a note uh, that was like, well, how does she know how to play the piano? It's like, eh, just say that her mom <laughs> taught her piano and uh, you know, we'll just say it right after she does the thing. Uh, yeah. But I like your I version it. of it where she steals it. She stole a keyboard and that was her, <laughs> her introduction right. to the piano. Mom, you got to play this keyboard in the alley. Um, <laughs> Once uh, those uh, cameras come on and like the animal skull or whatever, I thought it was funny how there were like ten different views of Catwoman and even one view of Isis up close, the damn cat. <laughs> it's so unrealistic and funny. A classic. I think they did that in Heart of Ice too. Like you know, Victor Freeze 
being turned into Mr. Freeze. They have multiple angles on it. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of coverage. An entire TV crew is there, but they're not going to do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, then we see that, like, you know, Red Claw is basically Catwoman pops up on all those cameras as Red Claw is kind of delivering a message to all of, I guess, her terrorist organization, uh, as well as the Multigon guy who. Right. I, I, there, I feel like it was a joke that didn't hit, but I think the joke is like him coming in and interrupting a big meeting and being like, oops, sorry. <laughs> uh, that would have played better if it were like timed better, but it just is kind of awkward. But uh, I love the shot of her with all the slides and or the projector projection stuff over her face. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, there's like all the kind of like maps and detailing, uh, but you see it like projected over her body and stuff and it was like really beautifully done it felt like very realistic um but of course yeah. they see catwoman's there and it's like okay well we're gonna let her take this stuff but uh we're gonna kill her yes yeah, so then she goes up into the air vent which leads to uh, my first uh favorite red claw pronunciation of uh she's in the ventilation system that's the kind of accent that i find amusing is when she says that when i was recently rewatching sub-zero and when batgirl went up into freezes ventilation system I had to say that one out loud to myself as well with uh, Sub-Zero now. Batgirls <laughs> in the ventilation system. The ventilation system. Uh, yeah, and she has tiny little cat-shaped pointies. <laughs> yes, Justin, I counted them. She has 31 of those sharp-ass cats hidden somewhere in her skin-tight bodysuit. That little uh, yellow belt really holds a lot. Yeah, let's hope they were in the belt, because otherwise... <laughs> Uh, she also somehow, you know, like puts the necklace away at the beginning of the episode. She pulls out a camera when she was taking pictures of the plans or whatever. Lots of hidden spaces. Yeah, she's got some sort of like TARDIS style, uh, yeah. you know, thing pouch in her belt. That's a Doctor <laughs> Who reference. Anyone who didn't get that, I recently <laughs> caught up in my uh, Doctor Who knowledge. Let me tell you, I don't. I've never seen a Doctor Who episode, but it's oh. it's a big enough thing that I, I know what a TARDIS is. <laughs> yes. Um. But yeah, we sort of, she outsmarts this, uh, what looks like 101 Dalmatians villain, maybe a French version. <laughs> uh, for I don't know, yeah. his mustache kind of made him look French to me. Cartoony French. The guy, the guy in the air vent, you mean? Yes. Guy crawling after. I think it's funny how he's crawling after, like looking straight ahead, not seeing these shark cats in front of him. And then he has like four of them stuck in like both of his arms and he realizes it. It's like, how do you like not see that and then put both your arms into them before you scream in pain? Yeah, he was just so into chasing her. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh but with her mission complete catwoman returns home uh no well and... first she almost gets killed by Red oh, Claw, and then batman yes, yes, yes. saves her and then yes. she kisses batman in the air and they keep kissing until he lands with her on the roof and then batman pushes her away and says uh well she says um that was for saving my cat she uh he says is that all it was for and then she says maybe not and that whole like you know saving my cat thing again makes me think of dirty jokes you know with catwoman uh-huh. There's always uh, pussy jokes to be thought of. I feel like anything that Adrian Barbeau says is going to sound sexual because of, you know, the sexual spin she puts on all of her readings. I mean, let's take a sec. Adrian Barbeau is incredible. Uh, yeah. I really like her voice acting in this. It feels like the right blend of... It's pushed enough that it sounds good for cartoons, but it still feels mm-hmm. grounded and realistic. Uh mm-hmm. I feel like she does such a good job towing that line, whereas, you know, it depends on the actor, but some people can't quite get there even if they're a great live-action performer. But she she's great. Yeah. And then she goes home. She returns home. She tells Maven about everything. 
And, you know, she believes she's going to save these mountain lions because she got everything she needed. Unbeknownst to her, thugs are watching her from the outside. I love it whenever Catwoman takes her mask off. Her hair is just perfect, and she's wearing earrings underneath her cat mask. And all that cartoon magic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I'm sure earrings are very comfortable scrunched against your face. <laughs> exactly. Um, so part two. Yes. I mean, this starts with Batman grilling that mob boss in the park with that, mm-hmm. that shot I was talking about earlier where while it's kind of windy and while Batman's talking to him, it's a very like Central Park looking location. Uh, you know, right. leaves hit him and stuff. But uh, basically tells Batman there's, you know, rumors of this train heist but he doesn't know anything Mm -hmm. about it but it's related to red claw um Mm -hmm. and so he talks to gordon about it and you know right we basically get to that train heist (laughs) yeah with the soldiers and all that's all very boring to me it's like i don't care about the mob boss i don't really care about gordon and then uh yeah it's like get to some female villain for me or at least a costume villain yeah i want that camp (laughs) or luckily when when red claws shows up did you notice that she's like uh she has like rockets propelling her little vehicle on the railroad tracks. I loved that design. It's insane. I love, <laughs> I love that they have a railroad ready, <laughs> you know, trailed vehicle uh, with Rocket rockets. Car. It's yeah. very cool. Um, so yeah, they they steal. This is where they steal this this biological weapon. Right, the plague that they apparently developed themselves in their eastern laboratories. Uh huh. Yes. Uh, the the un-American evil. Of the Red Claw. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, we get to, let's see. We get to Batman realizing the Red next Claw's day. a woman. Batman sees Red Claw, and there's that whole thing if she's a woman. And then that leads to my favorite Red Claw line ever, which is, you finally met your bat- match, Batman. Not surprising, it's a woman. As she's on, is she on the ladder hanging from like a copter yeah, or like something? Yeah, she's up into the sky, yeah. Yes. When we first talked about When we first talked about doing this episode, even before I rewatched it, I just started to say out loud to myself, not surprising, it's a woman. <laughs> that and the ventilation system thing are the two red claw lines for me that just stay with me. We have them. Those, those are your uh, Harvey nose and excuse me daggets. Uh, exactly. <laughs> those are the lines yes. that I remember. <laughs> um. But then we get the date. We get the Bruce and Selena date. We see. Right. Uh, and it's kind of like a date that turns into like a car chase where the thugs mm-hmm. are chasing after trying to knock the car off. I think because they're trying to get they're trying to off Selena. Uh, and I think Bruce yeah. is like jealous boyfriend or something. Yeah. Yeah. They're chasing them. And then Bruce's way of like getting away from them is to turn around and drive at them and just like to scare them into driving off that bridge or whatever. It's insane. Uh, Pretty risky choice. Yeah, but, you know, we know Selena's probably into that. So, uh, yeah, we know the villains are a cowardly lot. Going back to, like, that what first comic or whatever, right? So yeah, I guess that's superstitious the and cowardly them. lot. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, I think speaking of which, have you seen uh, the musical episode of Batman, Batman Brave and the Bold? Yeah. Because I think one of the songs is about the cowardly lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I love I love Brave and the Bold. I think it's really it, it's great. I love parts of it. I hate it overall, but there's certain parts that I really love. Uh, it it feels. I mean, it's obviously tonally a very different show, but I feel like it yep. is. It, it's such a love letter to like the goofier, sillier era of Batman and and like the whole DC universe. And I think especially after the first season, they have some like pretty great, you know, uh, more emotionally deep episodes. That Joe Chill episode I thought was really good, right? And the Batmite stuff. Yeah, and I, I like all the funny stuff, too. I mean, I think it's, like, yeah. done well, at least. But, yeah, it's definitely a completely different tone. Um, yeah. 
But back to the cat in the cloth. Um, yes. So we see Alfred after this this date gone awry. Before uh, that, Bruce tells Selena that he really cares about her. He hasn't felt this way in a long, long time. Bruce is like in love with Selena, kind of for no good reason again. I mean, you know, she was just pissed about the cat deal, uh, you know, and then she was in this good mood on this date where they almost got killed. And then now he's in love with Selena. Maybe just a sexual attraction again. <laughs> yeah, and, or just two people who have never been in love with anybody. Maybe, yeah. But it's surprising that, you know. I guess Andrea. The, yeah, besides that, there's only really those two women who he ever expresses any real feelings for in a series, right? Talia, I guess, is kind of a love interest. Uh, like, I know we, there's like some Batman Beyond stuff where it's like him going through, like, he has like photos of all the people he had crushes on, basically. And I think Talia yeah. and Selena and uh, Andrea Beaumont pop up uh okay he's just you know goes down a sad nostalgia hole as an old man <laughs> um i also love how uh before we before we see alfred catwoman also like puts her hand up and then her nails pop out of her glove or whatever which of course you know they do in batman returns as well but i love whenever the nails pop out and there's that kind of like knife sound or whatever and i always wonder how they did that in batman returns you know visually just to have the nails pop out of the gloves from nowhere because it's so I don't know, such a special effect. Yeah, it's. I mean, it must have been a really cool practical effect, which I love. And it's not on the, the DVD extras, which pisses me off. But I can't find it online either. There's all that stuff about the vacuum-packed suit, but nothing about the nails popping out. Okay, Tim Burton, if you're listening, uh, Please, I know this is your favorite podcast. Um, let us know how you did those nails. <laughs> yes, or Michelle Pfeiffer. She's, you know, she's acting it out. Uh, yeah, she Pfeiffer actively know. doesn't listen. She's an enemy of the podcast. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, Adrian Barbo, the rivalry. Yeah, she doesn't want to listen to it because we talk about Adrian Barbo. <laughs> mm. uh, so we do get our first kind of Alfred of the this two parter. Yes, your favorite character. Yes, well, I mean, he doesn't do much in this, but he he does discover this cat hair on Batman's yes. cowl, which they're like, it's this- on, isn't it on Bruce's suit jacket? Oh, yes, yeah, it's the suit jacket uh-huh. so he can connect the fact. Like, this is how he deduces the that, you know, she is Catwoman. Uh, right, which is which crazy. A huge leap, and even crazier is, like, they hold up what looks is a gray or black cat hair, and they're like, I've right. never seen a color of cat hair just like this. It's like... Batman has. Yeah, but it's like, well, do you know how many black and gray cats there are? Yeah, and so I trace the whole thing where, like, in the in the first Batman Catwoman scene, when Batman saves Isis from the truck, he pulls a hair off of him and says like something about whatever. Thanks for the memento. So Batman got the Isis hair at the very beginning, and then I guess the Isis hair got on Bruce Wayne at the end of this date because like Selena initiated a kiss on the cheek, and so I guess she had cat hair on her and it rubbed off onto Bruce or whatever. And that's the minuscule connection of Catwoman. You know, is Selena because of Isis's hair, but also Bruce was in Selena's apartment where Isis was, and he just happened to not see the cat when he was in there. That would have been a, an easier way. That's a good point. That cat is pretty distinct looking. Yeah. And uh, then of course, like, you know, Red Claw's people were after Selena. That's also the hint that, like, you know, Batman saw Red Claw attacking Catwoman, and now Red Claw does seem to be after Selena. So that's more of a logical thing that they're the same person as well. Yeah, world's greatest detective, perhaps not. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's good that you figured out the small clue, but it's just interesting story writing that it was such a small clue. That was the key clue. Yeah, it feels like uh, the mystery elements or the things that they needed don't quite line up structurally as neatly as like maybe some other episodes. But uh, yeah, 
It does get them together, uh, and we get to Catwoman separately infiltrating the multi-gun site. Before that, we have something else that I like to read comedy into, which is Maven at home with a huge pitcher of something yellow, pouring it into a cup, smiling, closing her eyes while drinking it, which is, makes me like to think of her as an alcoholic. She's just sitting at home alone, drinking a huge pitcher of you know margaritas or something. I mean, great. Go for it, Maven. <laughs> Gotham can take its toll on you. And there was the cool shot of the guy who was, you know, coming to attack her in the glass table. Did you know oh, yeah. that as a visual? I mean, just about that picture, the insane thing to me was that she got a picture just for herself, period. Yeah, and sat down with it. She still had her heels on, too. She's, like, getting all the, I assume, booze together, walking over still with her heels on, sitting down, and getting ready to enjoy her huge picture of either sugar or alcohol, because she's some kind of an addict. Well, you know women, they love keeping their heels on because uh, they're very comfortable at home. <laughs> yes. And because a character was drinking, it was not surprising. It was a woman. <laughs> yeah, push that uh, in there. And then we, yeah, so we have, uh, she's attacked by a thug in her apartment. And then yeah. Batman sort of confronts Maven on Catwoman's activities. And that's where we get like, well, she really loves you, you know. Yes. And he hangs that guy upside down as revenge classic batman uh he's hanging too far up to be taken down very easily by anybody even uh you know the gotham pd but then we get the multi-gun infiltration right yes yes you know catwoman snags one of the guys behind a bush and uh one of the cougars does uh or mountain lions does show up and we have this sort of vague like catwoman is good with cats for some reason right she shushes the cat and then turns her back on it, not afraid of it. And the cat walks over to the tied-up guy. Cat may have eaten the tied-up guy. We don't know. <laughs> she didn't tell it not to eat it. She just told it to be quiet. Yeah, that was the implication I got. It was like something that the they got away with uh, on the crew. Yeah. It was like, yeah, this guy's dead. Whereas like the car of thugs earlier that went off the bridge, we had to cut back and see, uh, you know, they're alive. They they didn't drown. Like we see them coming up for air. But here we just leave on this cat advancing towards this guy. Yeah. Uh, he's dead. <laughs> he's canonically Probably. dead. She leaves him hogtied. She enters through the ventilation system. She takes pictures of weapons. Yeah. And then she's captured. Well, she, the guys are about to attack her, and then Batman saves her, and then they're both captured somehow. Right. right. And so they're all tied up, uh, and Red Claw mm-hmm. sort of reveals her plan and is sort of like, well, mm-hmm. we're going to just use this bioweapon on you, uh, right. this plague, you know. Because nobody knows that we wouldn't have it, so uh, we'll still get the money. I think it was a billion dollars, right? Yeah, it was a billion dollars in gold bullion (laughs) within 24 hours. And they'll add in the unicorn. It's five billion pounds. She raises it for that last episode. I mean, the stakes are higher. That's five years worth of not getting what she wanted. (laughs) Yes. And then in line in the unicorn, she also, like, she's threatening to send a missile on London and then she sends the missile. Like, she asks for the money, and then shortly after, she sends the missile anyway. It's like, that's not what you're supposed to be doing, Red Claw. Red Claw clearly doesn't have uh, a clear plan. <laughs> you know, she's not necessarily the most reliable taskmaster. Uh, I guess. We, we, Catwoman's able to cut them out of their ropes using her claws. Yes, because she says that she has the woman's touch, another sex reference, gender yeah. reference. And just, yeah, just another gendered thing. They really were just leaning into, she's a woman. At that point, we were hit over the head (laughs) too many times. I love the visual of the acid burning into the top of the plague canister and like like sparkling and the smoke coming out and stuff. And eventually the plague itself coming out of that thing. But 
mostly just the acid and the sparkles. I love as a visual. And you can see it like burning down into the top of the canister. Yeah, I thought that looked really cool too. And so, you know, basically it sets off a chain of events that will explode and destroy this entire facility. Well, Red Claw's just trying to release the plague in the facility, kill the two of them, but she's trying to seal the facility so the plague doesn't get out and like hurt anyone because yeah. I guess Red Claw cares or is trying to protect herself or something. And then it's Batman's plan to like destroy the plague with the flammable liquid, which looks the same as Maven's alcohol, by the way. It's yellow as well. And then just, you know, he blows it up with the grenade or whatever, which I don't think would scientifically work. Like, the plague gets out of the canister, and then Batman just, like, blows up the whole thing. Uh, but I don't think, like, smoke in the air along with the plague in the air would kill the plague. And then the sealed facility, Batman drives through the quote-unquote sealed facility, which, of course, wasn't sealed in the first place because there was that vent that Catwoman snuck in from. So I'm pretty sure all those cats are going to be dead from the mixture of the plague and the explosions on that land. Oh. Unfortunately for Catwoman. For sure. Uh, I mean, Gordon talking to Batman at the end of the episode right in front of a billowing fire of plague probably uh-huh. isn't healthy for either of them. Uh, True. But we do get Red Claw very kind of, I don't know, it's very like unceremoniously taken down. Like Catwoman just kind of sicks the cat, the cougar on her. Right. Red Claw does call Catwoman Pussycat. And then so, uh, they don't even show Catwoman like making the mountain lion come over, but the mountain lion does tackle Red Claw and then... Lena says, thank you, friend. And so, you know, I guess the lion did it because he likes Catwoman, but th- that's the main thing that keeps Red Claw from getting her money is for getting pounced on by this mountain lion. And that's sort of the, wraps up the Red Claw end of things, and Batman yep. is like, well, I have one more loose end to tie up, uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is Catwoman. To arrest her privately, not like a common criminal. They get all bat cuffs. Yep. I mean, even watching it now, I was like, kind of a dick batman like she really uh, look i know you're a rules oriented dude but she doesn't seem that bad <laughs> maybe help I mean, her she, reform yeah i mean she did steal the necklace at the beginning and we still don't know why she stole that damn necklace that's um, a good, that's the, a good uh, point maybe just to donate the, the money yeah in the animated batman book that Haldini co-wrote there's little descriptions of all the episodes and for this one it says that catwoman is stealing to fund the mountain lion preserve which is not explained in the episode, but that's one possibility is that she's like selling that necklace and using the money. But she also like has the $10,000 to donate to get the date with Bruce. And then she, you know, has some other money to be trying to buy the mountain lion preserve. And so, yeah, it's unclear if she's really using what she's stealing for the cats or just keeping it by, you know, later on in the series, she's just stealing for fun and to keep the jewels and stuff, you know? Yeah, her motivations are pretty unclear. You know, I, I like the idea of like a compulsive, it's almost like how they played Roxy Rocket a little bit, but like the mm-hmm. kind of compulsive stealing uh, yeah. angle, if that's what they wanted to go with. But it just feels like sometimes she's an environmentalist, sometimes she's an, a legit antihero who does care about the common good, and sometimes she's just a thief. But And that seems to be the most common thread is that she just enjoys stealing uh, like she just wants money <laughs> but, but then chooses to steal it dressed like a cat and then has cats at home as well like exactly i mean even her door had a little cat like eye hole or peephole yeah she had cat statues around her apartment and stuff <laughs> yeah if he didn't know who catwoman was uh yeah <laughs> moment one as bruce walked in uh, i mean not every cat lady can be the one and only catwoman True, true, true. Um, Bruce also does tell Selena that he cares about her more than she knows, but I guess it's a reference to, you know, him knowing both of her identities. So, you know, he cares about Catwoman because Bruce cares about Selena and all that. I mean, it's crazy to me how, like, 
you know, Catwoman kissed Bruce and then Bruce found out that Selena is Catwoman. So then he can realize that like, you know, the woman he cares about has already kissed him. Like, but then I'm sure he's disappointed that she's the thief, you know, mm-hmm. it's confusing. Like who knows what and who, you know, feels what about whom because Catwoman loves Batman, Batman or Bruce loves Selena. Very complicated. And that stuff is the most interesting stuff about the episode to me, uh, more so than the Red Claw stuff. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, I love the Bruce, Selena, Catwoman, Batman stuff. I wish we maybe got a little bit more of that. Still fun overall. Like, you know, it's not, I'm, I don't think it's a bad couple episodes. It's just kind of uh, interesting to see, like, how they play this stuff out earlier in the series. One of the things I love most about the series is the music. And, like, I love how you play the music cues on your podcast because it totally takes me back to the episodes and stuff. And, I like the general kind of Catwoman theme, but I don't love the very beginning of the music for at least the first episodes. Even just that's like a, a turn off for me from the very beginning of like ugh, this little weird music cue with the, you know, with this title card versus like the more specific Catwoman cue and all the Catwoman stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those Shirley Walker cues for the most part, it was her, but uh, they're beautiful. I feel like, you know, you know what the villain's going to be sometimes just hearing their theme pop up on the title card. Yeah. Well, cool. Any final thoughts on Cat and the Claw? No, I'm not going to force another, uh, she's a woman in there besides me saying that like that. So no, I think that's it for me. Well, thanks, man. Thanks so much for talking. Uh, it was, it was good to finally sit down and virtually chat bat. Um, thanks for having me. Can I ask you if, uh, you have any plans for doing like almost got him specifically? Cause you mentioned that as being a highly requested episode and you haven't done it yet. Are you waiting for something for almost got him? There is somebody I'm holding out for for almost God. Okay. Yes, that's the. Cool. That's, the that's why it hasn't happened yet. Uh, yeah, so. something to look forward to. Yes, indeed. So, and can I ask you about any thoughts about the future of the podcast? Because you know, like at the end of the charity stuff, you're like, "This is it for a while," except for the guest stuff. And then at some point earlier on, you're like, "I'm too obsessed not to do all the episodes." Um, so, do you plan on finishing all of them eventually? But you're just in no rush to do a bunch soon. The fans yeah. want to know, Justin. Okay, here's the deal. I think uh, for sure what the fans don't know, but they will know because they're hearing you talk about it, uh, yes. is that the next batch of episodes is, you know, the fan interviews. Uh, uh-huh. So we're definitely going to have a series of those. As for the future beyond that, I think it's it, it's up in the air. I, yeah, I, I am for sure obsessive enough that I want to finish every episode. And we're, we're getting and you're like close. like two-thirds of the way done. Yeah, I know. two-thirds, I think. Yeah, if you just round There's up, we're left. already done. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it's just, you know, balancing when I'm able to do it and right. being perfectionist about it. I definitely want to make sure it's up to snuff, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I hope one day to finish all of them because I think, I cool. think it's really fun, uh, to, to make yeah. them. I love your podcast. So I hope you do do more and whenever you do them, I'll love whatever you do at whatever time. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening and thanks for liking the podcast and, and all of it. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And that was Tim Jarvie. If you like the show, please rate and subscribe on Apple and follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at BTAS Podcast and me at Hey Justin. Thank you guys so much for listening. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo and Casey Trela helped produce the theme song. Brian Holmes edited this episode and Harry Chaskin is the ever-booming voice of the podcast. Thank you again to my guest and Patreon contributor, Tim Jarvie. Finally, thank you again to Tori Malatia, who seems obsessed with Catwoman's gender as he stroked his chin and told me, So, 
Our new cat burglar's a woman. Yeah, obviously, Tori. Now please, leave, leave my home. You're violating social distance regulations, okay? All right, well, uh, with that out of the way, see you guys next week for another new episode. And by see you, I mean I won't be seeing you. You'll be hearing me, and this is pre-recorded. Goodbye. Goodbye.